We're in a a series on one another. That's really been our series for the whole year, our theme, if you will. And um, some of these are good and encouraging. Others of them are challenging and hard. Today's topic is probably in the latter category. As we think about and talk about and look at what the Bible has to say about forgiving one another. C.S. Lewis once said that forgiveness is a lovely idea until you have something to forgive. It's not easy, uh, but it is worth it. Uh, you probably have heard from a pulpit, this pulpit or otherwise, the famous story uh, from speaker and, and uh, teacher Corey Ten Boom in her book, The Hiding Place. Now, Corey's story, if you don't know it, uh, her family was responsible for uh, helping many Jews escape and hide during uh, the time of the Nazi regime and the Holocaust, uh, but their family was caught and they were eventually taken uh, to a concentration camp. And after the war ended, she went around speaking in Germany and teaching at churches and places, uh, trying to change the hearts of the German people. And this is what she writes. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with a message that God forgives. It was the truth that they needed to hear most in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave him my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence, and in silence they collected their wraps, and in silence they left the room. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Oh, my sister Betsy, how thin you had grown. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. And now he was in front of me hand thrust out. A fine message. How good it is to know, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him, and the leather crop swinging from his belt, 
It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors. And my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he, he didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me of the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I, I stood there. I whose sins had every day to be forgiven, and yet I could not. Betsy had, had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, agonizing death simply for the asking? It could not been have, have been many a second that I stood there, hand, that he stood there, hand held out to me. But to me, it seemed as though hours, as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. We'll come back to that story. But Corey Ten Boom tells a familiar story. The idea of forgiveness. Now, I would doubt to this audience or to those watching online that none of us have something as gargantuan to forgive as Corey did. But we all have something in big ways and in small to forgive. And it's a lovely idea. It's a fine idea for the preacher to talk about forgiveness until you have to do it. It's a, it's a terrific thing to be forgiven, but sometimes it can be a terrible thing, a trying thing, an oh-so-difficult thing to extend that forgiveness to others. In some ways, we love forgiveness, but in many other ways, we dread it. You see, forgiveness is the work of God Not just to us, but it's the work of God through us. Now, there's lots of things we could say on forgiveness, and I don't have the time nor the inclination to say them all. I just want to give you one big idea, one thought that I hope you'll leave with. It's the main point of this sermon and the main idea I want you to walk away with, okay? And here it is. Forgiveness is forgiving. Forgiveness is forgiving, not just for accepting. And when I came to Christ some 30 years ago, I needed his mercy. Since that decision to put on Christ in baptism, when I received the mercy of God, he has shown me time and again that I need to be a vessel of that same mercy which was extended to me. I needed to be the, to extend mercy to others, and I will be first to confess I have not ever done it perfectly. But the purpose of forgiveness is right in the name. 
that if we, if we focus on just receiving forgiveness and asking for forgiveness, have you ever thought about how many times you've partaken at the Lord's Supper? You, you've met here at this table and you've had that cup in your hands and you've thought about something that you've done in the past week that you're so ashamed of and you don't know why you did it and it's something you keep struggling with and as you partake of this this divine appointment, you beg God for forgiveness. And of course, he readily gives it, doesn't he? Because he's good and loving and forgiving. But think about it like this. What if he were to ask to you, how have you extended that to others this week? Have you shown the same mercy to others that I've shown to you? So this is the first thing we want to understand. That forgiveness is forgiving. And the first place that we understand that is that God gave it to us. Romans chapter 6.23. I hope you're following along in your Bible. But if, if you don't have one of your own, take a pew Bible. If you don't know where Romans chapter 6 is, turn to page 1209. Or just read it on the PowerPoint. I think you'll do well and be more blessed to look it up. Cross-check your preacher. Paul here writing about sin and grace, these two things, and how they relate to one another. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages being something you earn, something you're owed, something you rightly deserve. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God gave us the gift of forgiveness in Christ. I know you've all in here received a gift at some point or another. Maybe today's your birthday. Maybe your birthday's coming up. Mine's coming up August 6th, if you wanted to know that. If you need any gift ideas, you probably know what kind of gift card to get me, okay? On your birthday, at Christmas time, at special celebrations, people give you a gift. It's a blessing. It's meant as something that's undeserved, it's unearned, it is just an expression of goodwill and love. Uh, today, we're going to, many of you have blessed the Denmans. You're, you're going to, you know, there will be cards and money trees and things like that as a blessing, as a gift as a, as a gift of gratitude, we receive the mercy and the forgiveness of God as a gift. We just have not earned it. We couldn't have. We don't deserve it. It is unlike the wages of sin. It is the exact opposite. You've been given a gift of mercy and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And so that's the first thing we remember is that forgiveness was given to us in Christ Jesus. And if you're not in Christ Jesus, you don't yet have the gift of God. And I want you to think about that, take hold of it. When you are convicted in your heart, I would encourage you to do that today. The second is, forgiveness is forgiving, so remember to give it to yourself. Colossians chapter 2 is our next scripture we're going to be in, Colossians chapter 2. Paul writes to the church at Colossae, page 1,000, 
261, if you're following along, you don't know where the tiny book of Colossians is. And he writes to this church that he loves about who they were. He writes this, And you who were dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Now, now I want you to think about this for just a, a moment. God has forgiven you who are in Christ. God poured out his mercy and forgiveness in Christ to us. So if God gave you forgiveness then who are you to withhold forgiveness from yourself? There are some folks who are in Christ, but they still carry the guilt, the weight, the burden of sin that Christ set them free from. Why on earth would we continue to do that? Think about it like this. Um, we're a, we're a debt-free family, mostly. Um, bank still owns part of my house. <laughs> but we paid off our vehicles years ago and have resolved to just pay for vehicles in cash. We don't have car payments. That's a blessing. The very first time we did that was like 2009. We paid off our Chevy Trailblazer. Now, can you imagine paying that off, receiving the letter, the lien release from the bank, but then the next month going ahead and, and filling out the payment book and, and writing a check again and again and again. Seems kind of silly, doesn't it? Why would you keep making payments on something that's already been paid for? It doesn't make sense. If you're in Christ, your debt has been paid in full. Jesus said on the cross, the English says, it is finished. The Greek, there's just one word, tetelesta. And that word literally means paid to the full. Now, if your debt has been paid to the full, then why on earth would you keep trying to make payments on it? Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? No, certainly not. And so, may we not just realize it's, forgiving, but we need to make sure we give forgiveness to ourselves. So if you're here this morning and you're in Christ and you're still carrying the weight of your sin, the guilt of your sin, the burden of your sin that you've been forgiven of, may I gently ask you to stop it. That debt has been paid. Stop making payments on it and remember who paid it off Fully and completely. Forgiveness, you see, is forgiving. God gave it to you. You must give it to yourself. And finally, you must be willing to freely give it to others. Still in Colossians, just one chapter over now. Colossians chapter 3, 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones... Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, 
bearing with one another and if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Now these these two scriptures say a lot in a little bit. But I just want you to to take for a second and think about if we just flip this scripture and read it backwards, not precisely backwards, but, but if we start with the idea that God has forgiven us, and because he's forgiven us, we must also forgive in the same way. And when we do that, it changes the disposition of a congregation. I'm convinced fully and completely where forgiveness flows, the people are changed. Their relationship, their depth, their love, their connection to one another is changed by the power of forgiveness. The great theologian Steve Tandy once told me, church would be easy if it weren't for people. You see, and that's true. That's true with any, I don't care whether you're talking about your business, your church, your family, every organization, every group of people at some point is going to have a rub. <laughs> you're going to have a point of friction. You're going to have a point where, where, where two people see it differently, where people don't meet eye to eye. Where people don't have the same opinions. I know nothing like this has happened in the past two years. But, but just imagine, if you can, a time when people might disagree about things. And I will call you back to Colossians. And what Paul says is, remember that God forgave you. Of all of the rubs, of all of the times when you didn't see eye to eye with him, like that even matters. When all the times you were violently, vehemently rebelling against him. When all the times you refused to give up your sin. In Christ Jesus, he still offers you forgiveness. He still stands as a father lovingly who wants his children to come home. So may we... In our relationships with one another, whenever we have a rub, whenever we have a friction point, just be willing to let that go. Just be willing to just think about, just pause for a second and say, wait a second, what has God overlooked in me? What has God forgiven in me? And who am I to hold on to these little grudges, these little things, these little, oh, they owe me this and they say that, and they better tell me, give me forgiveness, ask forgiveness. Who am I? What right do I have to do nothing less than freely give forgiveness to others? And there's a purpose in that. Forgiving others keeps you from getting bitter, keeps your heart from getting cold, keeps you from getting calloused. Forgiveness makes you better instead of bitter. Forgiveness makes you more into the image of Christ Jesus, but it only works if you gave it as Jesus gave it. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. In fact, I'm going to start in verse 31. Let all bitterness, Paul writes, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. How do you get a group of 600 folks to not have any amount of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, or malice? Here's the key. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. God gave you his best even when you were at your worst. Now, I know on a subject like forgiveness, there are a number of people who've already jumped ahead. I can, t- I can see it in your body language. Well, that's all fine and good. But you don't know what they did. That's all fine and good, preacher. Talk a good talk. You don't know how much it hurt. And besides that, they haven't even asked for forgiveness. Now, I'm magnanimous enough that when they come groveling to me out of a penitence and a heartful turning with tears in their eyes, I will extend my hand in gracious forgiveness. Let me ask you this question then. Is that attitude Christ-like? Let's look at the scripture. Turn to Luke. Last scripture. Luke chapter 23. The end of Jesus' life. Jesus has been wronged in ways that you and I will never even begin to understand. A righteous man. He didn't do anything wrong. And not only didn't do anything wrong, he received a a mockery of a trial. He was sent to the death penalty in a public, humiliating way. Basically exposed, died of exposure and was exposed in a physical way. People mocked him. People jeered at him. The people who were closest to them were nowhere near him. If you say to yourself, you don't know how I've been wronged, I say to you, you don't understand how Jesus was wronged. Now look at what his, look at what his words were on the cross in Luke 23, verse 34. It's just gonna, there's a, a lot of words there, but verse 34, Luke records, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. They didn't ask. They didn't apologize. They didn't grovel. They didn't bow before the king of kings. And Jesus forgave them. Because of their ignorance. And they knew not what they did. If you're owed something. If you've been wronged. If you're just waiting for them to come asking for forgiveness that may never happen, I I, I beg you, be like Jesus in this moment. Be just like Jesus and set someone free. And that person is going to be yourself. Grow into a better Christian instead of a bitter Christian and be who God wants us to be in Christ.
You see, that's how we can avoid all of the anger and the clamor and the bitterness. That's how we can be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving, because we remember that God in Christ forgave us. See, it's not the knowing that matters on forgiveness. It's really not the knowing. I know some of you have filled out your outline diligently. You know we're getting ready to circle the plane. What matters in this one is this. It's not the knowing. There's plenty of scriptures on forgiveness. You knew them before you came in here. What makes the difference is not the knowing. What makes the difference is the doing. It's not the knowing that makes a difference, it's the doing. And so this morning I have one action step. One thing that I want you to do. It's not a whole list of things, just one. And you can write it on your handout, or you can wait till you get home and you're in your private closet where no one else will see. But I want you to write the following phrase down. I forgive. Insert name. <laughs> For whatever their transgression was. You said, preacher, you've gone from preaching to meddling. Please don't ask me to do that. Please don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm only asking you to do what God has asked us to do. I'm going to extend you my forgiveness. (laughs) There's just one cost to it. You must be willing to be a vessel for that same forgiveness. And whatever you're holding on to, it's not hurting them. No, it's hurting you. You've got to let that go if you want to be forgiven yourself and if you want to be Christ-like. And so forgiveness is forgiving. Are you greedy or are you gracious with God's forgiveness? A good church must be willing and able to forgive one another. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. He says so. If you do not forgive men their trespasses... Neither will your Father in heaven forgive yours. I knew it was not only a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were also able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as sad as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But you see, forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus Help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, 
mechanically. I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. There is, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of that story, but if you want to hear it, you'll have to come back this evening at 6 o'clock. Hopefully you understand the big idea of this sermon, and that's this. Forgiveness is forgiving. And God's given it to all of us, but it's up to us to take hold of the gift. So my two questions as we finish are this. Number one, have you accepted the free gift given by God through His Son, Christ Jesus? And number two, if you have, are you giving that same gift to yourself, And to other people. If you're not, maybe you need the prayers of our shepherds. Uh, Maybe they could pray with you and for you. They'd be glad to do that. Or maybe if you're ready to put on Christ and receive the eternal, ever-flowing fountain free of the gift of God's forgiveness in Christ. You can have that this morning. It can begin at your baptism. That's not how you're saved. That's when you're saved. If you're ready to make that decision, we'd love to help you with that. If you have a need this morning, and we're going to invite you, and we're going to sing this next invitation song. If you have a need, and head to the back, talk with one of our shepherds, and they will help you uh, with whatever your need might be. Whatever your need might be, please come as we stand and sing.